It's time, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. Uncensored. Ah, here it is, episode 17 of the BS Uncensored. Thanks for being a yeah. My name's Jason Bailey. Right there, that's Nikki D. Here's Nelson. That's me. You know, I was just thinking about this. I was like, I gotta, I've got to, by the way, we're waiting for John Michael Higgins to join mm-hmm. the podcast this week, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about. We had him on the radio show and Art, our booker, was able to get him back so we can talk to him longer because I'm such a mark. But I was thinking about this right as we started this uh, podcast is that how programmed we are to think ahead more than we've ever been. I know that's like weird and out of left field, but I was looking at, you know, because we released these on Wednesdays. So I was like, what's the date and what is upcoming and how my brain just automatically knew to go in the upper right hand corner of my Google Chrome to hit the all little boxy things to pull up the calendar. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you see a four year old that masters an iPad. Right. You know, or younger. Or, or younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about. Any other time in your life earlier, like 10 before 10 plus years, right? Mm-hmm. That your mind was programmed to do something outside of get up out of your bed and go straight to the bathroom and you knew where the toothbrush and toothpaste was. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You follow me on this? Yes, like the muscle memory that's been burned in with uh technology at this point. It, it's 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 crazy. So I kind of felt smart by doing that. <laughs> uh is this John Michael Higgins again? This is he. Oh my God! You're back! 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you know what I did, right, John? I was like, we had you on the radio show the other week, and I went back to Art and I said, "Is there any way he would spend more time with us?" And and you're probably thinking I'm a wacko, a creeper, aren't you? Not at all. I want anybody who spent wants to spend more time with me is not. They're like a hero. I don't, I, 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 I don't get it at home. I, 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 <laughs> I find this so hard to believe, like, out of all the celebrities that I enjoy watching that I'm a fan, uh, like, I love you the most. I really, really do. Boy, well, that, that's an early Christmas present. I really appreciate Ooh, it. Thank that. you so much. I mean, do you realize how talented and funny you are? Like, how much of a difference you make in people's lives? I mean, does that even cross your mind when you wake up in the morning? Uh, not really, but every now and then I'm out at a grocery store or something, and someone will say, "Oh, you know this this uh, movie you did was really meaningful to us and our family, and we you know we play it every every day or whatever." <laughs> and, you know, and, I, and it really, I, and then I think you know five minutes later, I think I, I may have the best job in the world. I mean, who gets to hear that? It's just so lovely, and I'm so happy that people respond to my my work. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled that they allow me to keep doing it. Well, it's it's like, do you can can you process this? You know, because like, look, let me let me meet you halfway. You know, when doing a little radio show, you touch people's lives. Like, mm-hmm. we just had a charity event, and but I don't wake up in the morning thinking that every segment, every time we talk about something, that I'm going to change people's lives. So it's it is it's hard to ingest uh, as far as the impact you have. But you, John Michael Higgins, have been in so many fantastic films that. 
like it sounds in your voice, you're like, how in the world did the breakup affect you or the couple? I mean, really, they're jokes. They're silly. We were being silly. It's hard to think right. that that really affects people. Well, listen, if I had gone into the breakup and do, done those scenes thinking this is going to change people's lives, I certainly would not have been funny. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, I show up and I do the best that I can with what I'm asked to do Uh, in the moment. And it's like, sometimes the wand comes down and it works and sometimes it doesn't. There's a lot of things on the cutting room floor that I don't think you'd be very impressed by, but, um, listen, it's great. It's great when it works. And I'm, I'm just so, you know, it's odd too, because I'm not a, I'm not really about above-the-line celebrity. It's, you know, I go to the grocery store, and people aren't screaming and crying and falling on their knees like they do if I were Tom Cruise or something. But I would if I saw you. What's that? I would if I saw you. John, you got to come to our grocery store. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly people are very, you know, uh, decorous. They, they come up and they say, I'm sorry to bother you. And, you know, sometimes they don't even remember my name. They just know that they've seen me a lot of times. You know, and I, they just say you brought me so much pleasure and laughter. I'm, I thank, and so just thank you. And yeah. I get that a lot, which is just a lovely, lovely thing to hear. And again, it really wasn't my intention. <laughs> I was really just trying to do my work and trying to make it work. You know, I, I'm really, I, my, I feel like I'm just a problem solver. Like I walk on the set and it's like, okay, here's the material. And what do we want? We want laughs. Okay, let's try this. Let's try that. You know, it's just that it's all sort of dutiful for me in a way. But And every now and then I really kick back and have fun. And I think in the breakup or something like that, you know, they it was an expensive movie, so they allowed a lot of time for the scene. Too much time, I think. No. Three or four days or something just for that table scene, which is crazy. But, um, you know, and then I can really luxuriate and try to find crazy things that might, might work and might not. And many of them didn't work, I can assure you. You know, as a character actor, I think you hit the the nail on the head where a lot of times maybe people don't know your name, but they know you from somewhere. What are you the guy from? What do you hear the most? Like, oh, my God, you're the guy from? Well, it's really odd. You know, if I walk down the street, you know, uh, and I look ahead and I see someone and and it's unmistakable when they clock me. (laughs) Like, oh, it's that guy, right? And now, you know, they're scanning their file cabinet for who and what they saw me in or who I might be and I'm doing a sort of a red line scan up and down their body of like what's the demographic here what's it going to be what is it that they're going to mention you know and I've done a lot of product so it's hard now it's really hard to say I actually am almost always wrong too it's going to say oh this is a pitch perfect person or this is a best in show person or this is a great news person or whatever it may be, you know, break up. And, and um, I just say, oh, I'm going to have to talk about, you know, pitch perfect for a minute here. And then, you know, some girl who's 17 years old says, we love Saved by the Bell. So it's always a bit of a surprise. In the old days, it was easy. It was just like one or two projects that were really that really stuck out, and yeah. people really just want to talk about those. But I'm very fortunate to have a, a few of them uh, after all the time I've spent uh, in the industry, and 
And, you know, I, I'm happy to talk to people about it if, if, if I'm able to, if in the moment. You know, I, I love my fans. I, wouldn't, I would literally be nothing without them. Yeah. yeah. Go back to the like very beginning, because I don't know how you got into the business, but I do know some of your earlier work was like, you know, just probably bit parts like a Miami Vice back in the late 80s, and which, you know, th- that was the last time that I can remember must-see TV. You know, you would wait the Miami Vice, and you would sit there, I think yeah. it was, what, Friday nights, and, you know, you'd sit around, your buddy yeah. would come over, and you'd watch Miami Vice, and that, and that was... Miami Vice was a game changer for television and and Phil Collins and the MTV era and how things were cut and yeah. produced and all that kind of stuff. And so that was some of your early work before you ended up doing some other sitcoms like, you know, going fast forward to Seinfeld and then some of the bigger motion pictures. Uh, how did that all start? Did you just say, I want to be an actor and then go for an audition and, and bam, you're on Vice or what? Oh, not quite. It, it, the, well, actually, you make a really good point, which is when there was must-see TV... You know, I wouldn't have the demographic scan problem because we all watched, we all we all watched whatever was on last night, all mm-hmm. of them. And now it could be anything. I mean, it's just so atomized. I mean, the whole world is just all separated, and they've all they're all in their separate bubbles of viewership. So I, and they don't really, they don't. There's no cross pollination anymore. It's not like a water cooler thing, you know. Uh, so it's really hard to know what people are responding to, ever. But anyway, as far as my history, I was uh, a child actor on stage for most of my career. And uh, I was a you know New York stage actor for quite a long time. And then not until my 30s did I poke into film and television. And it was mostly whatever was being cast out of New York, things like Miami Vice, because that was shot in Miami. So we they cast out of New York. And... And, you know, things like that. And then one thing led to another. And really, I think I ended up in Hollywood mostly because they cast me as David Letterman in this HBO movie um, called The Late Shift. And uh, that was sort of a big thing in the industry. And so the industry people got on to me because they were actually being represented on the screen <laughs> so that they were interested in it. And, um, and then I started getting more jobs uh, out here. What did you do from... Uh, Earth to the Moon in the late 90s, that was shot at Cape Canaveral because I, not to toot my own horn, but I'm also in that uh, fine uh, motion picture that was on, I believe, HBO at the time. And uh, it was my it was my first it was my first acting gig. And it was actually a radio bit. I think I was in 98. I just got into radio. So it was about three years into the business. And they sent me over there, and I was supposed to do these call-ins for the morning show. Mm-hmm. And instead, they were like, no, we want you to be, you know, you're going to be in it. And I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't realize it was this whole eight, ten-hour process where I didn't have time to yeah. call into the morning show. They were very upset. And they gave me a, a walk-on part as an extra that I walked and grabbed a map, and I took it to somebody. And this other extra, this older extra, came to me and said, you're so lucky. I said, why? I grabbed the map. He says, no, you don't understand. You're actually walking on camera. <laughs> They're going to see you. Yeah, people will pay attention to you. Yeah. And I said, but I don't speak. He goes, it doesn't matter. You have a walking extra role. So uh, there's. I, I don't know if you remember that great walk and map oh drop, John, but that was me back in 98. I actually, mostly because I never see the things that I'm ever in. Once I once I walk off the set, I'm done with it. You know? uh, so I never really watch anything that I'm in. <laughs> And um, 
But I'm sure your map drop was probably fantastic. And he's right. You know, you actually, the, the good thing for you is that you actually got to do something that day. All I remember is from Earth to the Moon is that they were very long days, you know, and it was really, uh, you know, it was like a, it was a butt buster. You know, it was like a 14 hour day or 15, you know, something like that. So I do remember that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, there's, <laughs> I'll say this there's uh, an older actor said to me once there's a, a line in every actor's career. <clears throat> on this side of the line, you at the beginning of the day, you go to the DP, the director of photography, and you say, uh, where do I stand to get into the shot? And they say, stand over by the fireplace. It's going to be in the shot the whole time. And you go over there. And then at some point in your career, somewhere in your late 30s, early 40s, you go to the DP at the beginning of the day, and you say, where do I stand to get out of the shot? <laughs> Because you're going to be in the coverage, and you won't be able to sit down right. and have a Snickers bar for a long time. Oh. So. That was my first introduction to what you like. What it? You know, I thought you know. I didn't. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And you know, at that time yeah. in Orlando, you know, on the Universal backstage lot, there was a lot of Nickelodeon being shot there before they moved it all out to L.A. And so I had ins there. And I was like, well, this is pretty cool. I'm going to do this. And I remember the last time I tried to give acting a try was this cattle call for a commercial. And I was in this hot hallway. And I was like, I, I think I was too arrogant to do it. Like, you guys have to be extremely humble, especially early. Well, definitely early in your career. Right, John? Extremely humble and self-deprecating because you're one of 100 plus in th those days more than now because you do a lot of video send in stuff but you have to wait and wait and wait for most likely a no more than a yes right oh god yes yeah no, mostly mostly no's yeah that's what your life is you wake up every day and uh if you're lucky you only get rejected once that day <laughs> and uh for many actors it's two or three times a day so Jeez. it's an unusual profession that way it's a bit like a salesman you know, you go, it's like selling encyclopedias. You got, you know, five door slams and then one person you got a foot in the door, you know. So it's a tough gig, you know, and it's hard to stay in because it's so mentally bruising. Um, but, you know, it's a little bit like gambling. You, 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 you know, you go, you spin the wheel, you walk up to the table and, and your number comes up and then you can't believe it and you keep going back and you lose and you lose and you lose. But boy, was that sweet when that number came up. So that's a little bit like showbiz. Yeah. You know? Was there anything that you r really wanted as far as a part goes, auditioned for, and lost out, and it ended up being, you know, a big to-do, like a really big film and a big part? Oh, yes, many, many of them. And um, the, the, luckily for me, I don't, I don't watch a lot of things, entertainment products, because I make them, so I don't, like, sort of the last thing I want to do is see one. Right. Um, so, I generally avoid <laughs> avoid things that I was a near miss on, because it's, you know, it's too painful, and I'm, you know, I'm an older actor now, so it's, but it's still, you know, it, it never, you know, a bad review, and you don't read, I never, I haven't read a review for 40 years, you know. Smart. It's pointless. It is. You can't change it. Well, you know? what, so, what was one of the parts? Like, what, what was it? Like, give me, give me the movie and the part. Just because oh. I'm curious who got it. Uh, no, I can't do that because mm -hmm. it it steps on other people's toes. If you can believe it, but um, really, believe me, plenty of them. Well, so like a lot of times, uh, I'll hear actors say also, uh, John, that like you don't tell the part you've turned down because it's gauche essentially. Really? 
That's right. Mm-hmm. The whole thing's a bit of a ghost. It's a ghost conversation. Mm-hmm. So, um, not that I, I'm not mad at you or anything. You're asking me a reasonable question, but for actors, we just try not to do that. Uh, I, got- uh, I was oh, I was this close and. This guy didn't quite deserve it because I was right on his tail. So that, so, I don't want to say that to another actor. So I, yeah, I can appreciate that. And, and but here's the thing: is I've asked that question numerous times. A lot of I've, I've, I must have interviewed a lot of ghostless people. Yeah, mm-hmm. because a lot of people will, and I never thought of it the way that John described it. Now I feel horrible that you asked that question. Oh my god, he, he is absolutely right. That is, you know, as much of a fun question for the fans. That's actually really yeah. kind of rude. To, that's to, not on you. That's on the answerer, the gosher. If they yeah. were, if they weren't gauche, as it were, they would respond yeah. like John Michael Higgins and say, "I would rather well, not listen, answer." Only, What's that? The only reason I was able to respond that way is that I was on the other side of the table more than once, where uh, I've heard actors saying, "Oh, yeah, Michael Higgins got it," but I was, uh, you know, I, it was just it was down to he and I and. And uh, he inched out over me because <laughs> oh he probably knew somebody in the in the in the production department or something, and you you hear that and you're like okay I still won, but <laughs> what are we talking about? You know it's just it's just not a nice conversation. Now name those people. <laughs> <laughs> so so what about the over the years? Uh, we talked about this uh, briefly on, on when you're on the radio show. Is uh, the relationships that you have? You know, we see you with a lot of Vince Vaughn, and Vince Vaughn to me, you know, like as far as I look at comedy gods, uh, it's Chevy Chase yeah. and then Vince Vaughn for me and Judd Apatow. You know, so that's kind of my circle, my wheelhouse which there's a lot of things that I'll mimic in my job, uh, the repeat of a word that you then can make funny, even if it's not a funny word, the more you repeat it, it's very funny, so on and so forth, yeah. um, which is a Vince Vaughn thing. But the relationships that you develop over the years, and you talk about going back with Letterman even and um, the shows that you're on, how did that help define the rest of your career? Because you seem like a guy that gets along with everyone and has no heat with anyone. Well, that is true. I, I, that that was a conscious decision on my part. There's, there really is no reason to have heat ever, and there's no reason to be a diva ever. Uh, if you need something, you there are ways to get it. And frankly, I work with the same people over and over again because, uh, yeah, I deliver, but I, they like me, and it's important. And people don't like to believe it's important in in the industry, particularly this cutthroat industry that I'm in. But it's true. Um, look, you know, Vince Vaughn put me in a lot of his movies because he likes to improvise with me. We, we enjoy each other. You know, it's fun. And we get good stuff. And that's true. I was, I've also worked with Chevy Chase. Uh, you know, I just get a couple of episodes of uh, Community. Right. And, you know, the people you mentioned, people I've worked with, Jim Carrey, he and I did three or four movies together. And it's the same thing. It's just like, life's short. We want to have a good time. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's not time enough to 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 be a a, a, a lousy person, no. you know, and fight and order people around. What's the point? You know, no. where, what do you get? Not much. You don't get much more. You get less actually than you do if you're a nice person. Yeah. Well, I got. I, I wish I could redo my life. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! Now's not the time to dwell. I no. swear to God, I'd come back as John Michael Higgins. I would just. I would read the book of of JMH, and I'd be like, "That's how you play it, Bailey. That's how you play." So, w- w- when when getting some of these jobs now later in your career, um, 
like explain it to to me how it, like so let's say Vince wants to put you in a movie, he calls you up or shoots you a text and says, "Hey, are you interested?" Then do you like go to your agent and say, "Hey, look, I'm going to be in this Vince Vaughn film," uh, or you know, like normally I would think it would be an audition and there would be a contract and then there would be here's the pay and you can turn it down or not. But if Vince Vaughn asks you to do something, most likely you're going to do it if you have time for it. So how does the the rest of this stuff unfold? Well, uh, you described it pretty well. That, you know, I don't audition very much anymore because I'm, I'm more or less a known product in the industry. People, producers, uh, will either know if they need John Michael Higgins or they don't, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're right or wrong, and they know it already. And if they don't know it and they want me to audition, <laughs> what I used to say is go to the video store. They'll make your decision. <laughs> because you're just going to get more of what I've got. Right. So, um but as far as, you know, if you don't have to audition very much, like I don't have to anymore, generally what'll, it's slightly different than what you said. The person will reach out. Um, uh, the person will reach out. Usually it'll be the director. Um, sometimes it's the star. And just say, hey, you know, you know for instance, um, when Chris Gasser, uh, you know, a, while, a long time ago, reached out and says, hey, we're doing a movie about dogs up in Vancouver, and I had just done something with Chris. <clears throat> and um, and would, does that sound fun to you? I said, absolutely. If you're doing it, I'm doing it. So, and then he says, okay, the agents will get into it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. The agents do the rest. They call each other, and it, it all gets worked out. And then I get on a plane and go and do the movie. But it's really a simple phone call um, from someone attached to the project and then they hand it off to the lawyers and the agents has there ever i don't mean to walk on you bailey has there ever been a situation like that you found yourself in like he's my uh, friend by the way i gotcha so i'm not trying you, to i'm you, not gonna steal your friend i, he's, I, I only have so much time I have more with, than one friend I, yeah oh, and i'm that. i'm more than one friend oh, i'm bigger than two friends at once go, okay. go, go. but has there ever been a situation you've been in like uh you know like a jonah hill where he says you know what i'll take the bare minimum just so i can work with uh scorsese or to get into this kind of flick have you found yourself in a situation like that Oh God, yes! Uh, all the Christopher Guest movies are are practically, uh, you know, uh, scale. Um, or, or there was another example a long time ago where uh, they were offering me scale for a movie, um, which uh, they read me the cast list. It was Wag the Dog, and I was like, uh, you know what? I'll do it if I have to pay them. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, wow. and uh, uh, yeah. So that that often happens. I mean, if you're in a position you, that you are fortunate enough to to take low pay, you know, and usually it means you have to take higher pay on things that you don't particularly want to do. <laughs> but that's life. You know, that's that's a work life. Do Do you have like your norm? Like, do you have normal friends, or are they all in the business? No, most of my friends are, uh, uh, as we say, civilians. Civilians. Uh, yeah, uh, I know a lot of people in the business. I work with them all the time. Some of them are extremely close friends. But for the most part, I have always lived outside of the circle of Hollywood and everything. I have a, you would never, I'm just a, a regular suburban dad. I've got a family and a house and a couple of cars and I go to the grocery store myself. This is the life that is valuable to me, and I, I've worked hard to be able to to have it, you know, and I didn't, I, I don't, I don't respond well to the 
vicissitudes of an entertainment industry career where one day you're up and the next day you're down. I try to live at, at the level of uh, spending, which is somewhere between my highest and between my lowest, mm-hmm. and just stay there. Yeah. And then, as it turned out, I worked for a long time in the industry, and that's how I did it. You know, I, I asked that, John, because, you know, I'm thinking if I'm over your house and I'm having dinner with uh, you and your yeah. family, and mm-hmm. let's just say, unbeknownst to you, um, the breakup comes on. It's on television, whatever. And there's, you know, yeah. the, the dinner table scene and whatnot. And one of your guests goes, oh, my God, I love Cole Hauser, uh, right? And, you know, now what the work that he's doing in Yellowstone is tremendous. And so, mm-hmm. and, and and you go, well, I worked with him. And then they start asking questions of, oh, what is he like? And, and he was so young then and, and all those types of things. Then it kind of, <laughs> that's that, you see where I'm getting at here? Does that happen often? Sure. Well, yeah, it is my work. So I do. I have a lot of inside stories, and people often ask, mostly they want to know, what is this person really like? And all I can say is I had a relationship with that person, but I don't know what their relationships are like with other people. Um, But my relationship with them was X, Y, and Z. It was really good. It was really bad. It was whatever it was. And I treat it just as if this person were just a normal person, which Cole Hauser incidentally is. He's a wonderful guy, and, you know, he deserves every bit of, you know, Success he's getting. Um, couldn't be happier for him. He was a pleasure to work with. And I'd do it and again in a heartbeat, you know. Um, but, again, it's very much like somebody I knew in high school or college. Where I'm just like, oh, sure, I know that guy. Yeah, he's great. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but it's, it's a little weird. You know, sometimes I'm on an airplane and, uh, you know, um, in the old days when everyone had to watch the same movie, and if it was a movie I was in, <laughs> oh, no. was thing, they, you know, and, and, and the whole, you know, I go to the bathroom, I come down the aisle, and everybody's watching me in a scene or something, and I go back, there's only one light on in the entire airplane, it's me with my book, and, <laughs> and um, that's, 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 a, that's a strange life in a way, yes, I agree, but... Um, uh, but there it is. That's I mean, every funny. now and then they'll recognize me, and they say, "Weren't you? Aren't you?" They point to the point to the back of the seat, and they'll point to me, and they'll point back, and I was like, "Yep, that's me." <laughs> like you're wanted by the FBI. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I've seen that guy somewhere right. before. Uh, well, it is the post office wall. Well, what's you know? There's a lot of ad libbing, and and I'm a fan of the Pitch Perfects. So I've a huge mark for couples retreat. I can recite actually the other day on on the the show. I, you know, I, I these these guys don't realize when i'm dropping movie lines but they're mostly from vince vaughn movies and i dropped the i you know i did rock in high school you want to check tape you know i dropped that line just because there's so many funny lines in that movie what's the stamp that you put on a movie that uh ad lib improv stuff that changed the scene and then later would be the scene stealer which people would then regurgitate back have you done that? I'm sure you have, right? Sure. Yeah, a lot of my stuff, uh, the, what they end up hiring me for in the last 20 or, 20 or so years is, you know, I'm a kind of a specialist. They they brought, they bring me in to do basically one big comedy set piece. Maybe I'm in two or three scenes in the movie total, but a bit, it's a comedy set piece, like in a breakup around the table. Um, and then there will be ancillary scenes where, you know, the one where I beat up Ben Swan or whatever scene out, whatever other scene I was in. But for the most part, they are improvised. 
uh, there's something on the script that sort of gets us through, you know, to help them plan the shots and things like that. But um, many times the improv will take you in a direction that we didn't quite expect. I think Breakup was like that, where it was big, turned into a, a much more of a musical number. <laughs> it's almost a, a number from a musical than it would be just a straight comedy number. But... Um, Yes, and of course, all the Christopher Guest movies are fully improvised. The Pitch Perfect movies are improvised, at least for me and Liz. And, um, you know, we ask for jokes. I have a page of jokes. I'll do those every now and then. But most of the stuff just coming out of me or us. And, you know, it, and sometimes it really does change things. Certainly no. with Christopher Guest movies, uh, you, where the plot can often follow the improv. Do you ever get asked to work with somebody that's like a stickler for the page? Like uh, Tarantino is famous for read what I wrote, don't worry about what you're thinking. Yeah, in fact, I prefer it, <laughs> strangely, because <laughs> it's not part of my career anymore. But I'm a theater guy, so you don't, you know, you can't make up Shakespeare. You have to say what's on the page. And if you say it and you're clear and you can be heard, you're, you're a genius. The audience thinks that guy's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> you know, it's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a lesson for all you actors out there. Just be clear and make sure they heard it, and you'll be fine. Um, and I... I kind of resent now when I walk onto a set and they say, all right, we're going to do this, you're going to do this. Michael, do whatever you want. I was like, well, can I have a something? Can I <laughs> have a cue card? Can I get something? I they do? Yeah. That was all on me, you know? So, um, I don't know. It, it, my background is a uh, stickler for the text, and, and, and for whatever reason, you know, in my film and television career, it's mostly improvised. So, with now, present day, uh, we want to bring up uh, Split Second, which is uh, season two happening right now on Game Show Network. Uh, this is a little bit of the improv. This is a little bit of the script, but a lot of you and staying on time with a constant flow, which is the most important thing, I would assume, uh, in making sure everything feels good because you have the synergy of the contestants. It's not an easy gig, I would think, is it? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. It's um, th this game show host thing landed in my lap quite late in my career, and um, I have a lot of talents which would suit it. You know, um, the format flatters me a bit because I, I'm good on my feet, but I'm also pretty well organized. And you're right; I didn't know how hard it was. Partly, it's hard because the days are extremely grueling—five or six shows a day sometimes, and that's five days a week. You know, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not Pat Sajak, so you know he has a much cushier schedule than I do, but he deserves it. He's been doing it for a hundred years, and I haven't. You know, and um, the, uh, but you're right. It, it it's a strange balancing act between being highly organized, like running a game, which the host actually does, and and making it feel. You know this in radio, making it feel loose, fun, improvised. Never, never heard that before. Mm -hmm. That stuff, yeah. and it's a. It, you have to balance it perfectly. Otherwise, if one of them takes the lead over the other, the show starts going south, and um, it's just hard to know. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, producer will say in my ear, "Get back, you know, get back to the game," or, or loosen up a bit, or you know what I mean. It's just a. Constant balancing act. Not easy. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah, that would bother me. You got that producer in right. your... Yeah, I mean, 
That would drive me insane. You're like, don't you know who I am and what I've done? Get out of my ear, kid. What are you doing? So hard to get used to. That was the hardest part. Well, and like having somebody in my ear talking to me. And in the game show situation where you're hosting that, how much of that do you have to be cognizant of, like the rules that are on paper? Because a lot of people don't realize how rigid, like game rules, literally have to be in order for there not to be a quiz show situation from the fifties. Well, you're right. You know, any any game show that gives away money is highly regulated, regulated, and there's lawyers all over the set. You know, you, you cannot make a mistake about this stuff because you're giving money away, and it's a felony, I believe. To, yes. Mm-hmm. To you know, cut cut a corner or something. You know, so it all really has to be by the book, just tight as a bow. And so, if I stray for a second, every now and then it happens. Like I'll tip the answer by accident. You know, well, by saying an improvised line during the question or something. Yeah. Then it's like, shut, you know, we, it's like, you know, shut down and waiting 30 minutes. We have to reload all the boards, reload all the video. And, you know, it's a big deal. And it's, uh, you know, so you, went, you end up learning how not to do that. And unfortunately, that makes you a little stiffer. Yeah. Right? So and- you have to. And say for that, and and split second is you know this is the revamp I believe the third revamp of it, but it's been around the concept the idea has been around for a very long time, and it's a fun game to watch for those that haven't watched it. You got to watch it on the Game Show Network, or you can see clips on YouTube and whatnot with John. But the like I've always wanted to be on a game show. The problem is is like what Nelson brought up, by law, I can't because we're such good friends now. That, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. You wish. You, you actually can't go on my show because I know you. Right. And right. that's another thing. That's part of the uh, the rule. Yeah. Right? I, I, was trying to so, get on, I was trying to get on the wall, but I couldn't because we had What's-His-Name on the show all the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, this yeah. sucks. I, I hate my job. <laughs> I want to be on a game show. Well, yeah, but you're getting to talk to me on the phone. Amen. Yeah, Amen. But, but you leave us forever, and they don't drop off $10,000 like you can win on the game right. show. Yes. <laughs> That's true. That's the only anyway, problem. $10,000. Um, okay, well, you know, I cannot thank you enough for coming back on with us and spending this much time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Obviously, just such a huge fan of your work. My wife and I can sit there and watch you forever and ever. Um, I wish you and your family nothing but a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and keep uh, entertaining us, and please come back on whenever you can. Thanks. You guys uh, really made my day. Uh, I'm sorry to... I, I'm sorry you kept me on so long. I felt like may I, I may have been boring everybody after a while. But, no, sir. Uh, no way. But I really do appreciate your compliments, and I, I wish all of you and everybody at the studio over there a, a very happy holiday, and uh, we're the luckiest people in the world. We get to do this. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Hopefully, please remember us. And uh, until then, be safe and God bless. You too, my friend. Thanks. See you later. John Michael Higgins, Season 2, Split Second, Game Show Network. I don't get giddy for many people. Right. And it's funny because when I do get giddy uh, and I mark out for people, it's uh, the the response that I'll get from 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 two peers or whomever is you mark out for the oddest people. Yeah, you know it's and 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 that's not a shot to John Michael Higgins, but the oddest as far as you know, like you're not talking to Brad Pitt or Tom exactly. Cruise or a, a president or a you know. billion dollar box office holder. Right, right. It's but for this is a person who you admire. You watch his stuff on repeat. Yes, so it makes sense. You know, there's certain people that I connect with, 
you know, because I'm an artistic guy, I'm a creative guy. And when you're a creative person, you find like-minded people mm-hmm. that you admire. You know, like I'd mentioned when we were talking, you know, as far as uh, styles of comedy. And, you know, and, and, and to be quite honest with you, you know, that's why I like this podcast, because, you know, we can have these kind of conversations. I can say certain things like this that would may, maybe bore a radio audience, but a podcast audience would get it, is it took me a long time in this business to understand what the word comedy meant. Mm. I never thought that I was good enough or funny enough to say that my radio shows were comedy, like to put that in as a definition, Mm -hmm. you know, because when I think of, or when I thought of comedy, I thought of the best in the business, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, you know, that's comedy. Mm -hmm. And if you can't come close to that, you're just not funny. Mm -hmm. And then as I, got older and kept doing this long enough, I realized that everybody's got a something and it's by definition, whatever that word is. So if you've heard feedback in which I have for many years of the radio shows that uh, I've hosted is, you know, that's funny. You're funny. The show's funny. Mm-hmm. That bit's funny. You know, the, the whatever's funny. That's comedy. Yes. So we do a comedy entertainment, you know, radio show. Uh, so w- with that being said, then you start to kind of compartmentalize the style of comedy. Mm. And you, you know, t- to me, just not only growing up with Chevy Chase, but that sarcastic humor. You know, Kevin Nealon was very similar. Oh, I love Kevin. And I remember asking Kevin one time, because we used to have him on all the time when I was in Tampa. He, for some reason, was always at the improv. That's so cool. And I've got, if you want to remind me, I've got a really funny Kevin Nealon story. So I, I asked him because Mr. Subliminal Man was one of my all-time favorite skits on yes. Saturday Night Live. And, Nikki, I'm sure you don't know what that is. Nope. Okay, so uh, he would be doing, like, reading a new – well, he'd be sitting at a, a table at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he it was like he had Tourette's. So in the middle of a normal conversation, he would, uh, you know, say I'd be like – all right, delivering Christmas, you know what's happening now. God, your face is ugly. And there are tons of locations where, and it, it was just so quick and witty. And I said, where did that come from? And he told me the story about him and a buddy were at a coffee shop, and uh, he, like, I think his buddy was reading a newspaper. One of them was reading a newspaper and wasn't paying any attention to him. So he just started dropping the lines in to see if he'd pick up. Oh, to see if he'd catch him off guard. And that's where it all picked up. So- uh, that style of comedy, uh, the quick, witty, sarcastic, almost uncomfortable, mm-hmm. not so much being a dick, but borderline, right? where you're still respectful and nice, but you just don't know which way to take it. Chevy Chase, um, Kevin Nealon, uh, Judd Apatow, his sense mm-hmm. of humor, I think, uh, like all the stuff in his movies, you know, with that Siegel and Rogan and... Jonah Hill and all those people, yep. Paul Rudd, that sarcastic kind of humor is great. Uh, and then Vince Vaughn is the is to me the current currently the best, right? Because he will take a word, he will repeat that word over and over and over again, and make it funny. <laughs> Somehow he makes it. Everybody's got a thing. So for those like you're going, what are you talking about right now? Next time you watch a Vince Vaughn movie, Wedding Crashers, Couples Retreat. You know, something like that. He'll repeat a word. So in couples retreat, for example, at the end, when he starts talking about they're they're going through the the forest, they got to get over to the other island to find Trudy, mm-hmm. and you know they're arguing, 
And it's, you know, it's Vince Vaughn, it's John Favreau, it's Jason Bateman, and it's uh, Faison Love, mm-hmm. right? And they're walking through the, walking through the woods, and they're, they're ripping each other apart about how their relationships are bad. <laughs> and then he starts ripping into John Favreau and says, do you think that, you know, once you get married, everything's great, you don't have to work for it? He's, you know, and then he starts talking, you don't, you know, you don't want to be alone. Nobody wants to go to Applebee's by themselves. Right. Who's at Applebee's by themselves? You walk into an Applebee's, everybody's with somebody. <laughs> Nobody goes to Applebee's. So the word Applebee's mm-hmm. in itself is not funny. Over and over and over. Right. But over and over and over again, it in context funny. of a relationship, it's hilarious. Yes. Fucking hilarious. And he does that really well. So the yes. Kevin Nealon story? Yeah. He. Uh, oh, by the way, you had a Kevin Nealon story. You thank you very story. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, at 98 Rock in Tampa. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had started doing this bit for Thanksgiving called Frozen Turkey Dodgeball. And it was really, really funny. And what we would do is we would, our studio was on the first floor and outside the studio was like part of the parking area, the back area. And then there was a chain link fence. So we had all this, we could do stuff, just take a wireless mic out there. And we would buy frozen turkeys and we would dress our interns up as uh, pilgrims and Indians. Sure. And they would have to keep their back against the chain link fence. And they would have to shuffle back and forth making different noises. Uh-huh. So, like, the Indian would be like, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. And then we would be not far, maybe 10 yards. And we would then chuck the turkey. And listeners would call and guess out of how three times how many times we'd hit them. Oh. Man, there's <laughs> no way I would have done that. No way. <laughs> One of the times we did this. That's crazy. God, what was his name? He was a good dude, too. Good intern. He was. You guys killed him with the yeah, frozen for, turkey? Yeah, forever he'll be missed. Knock, right. Knocked him out. He was a good dude. Yeah. Knocked him out. Knocked him out. It was oh a frozen God. turkey. I don't doubt that. that Hit him in awesome. the back of the brainstem. Knocked him out. That's wow. awesome. Literally knocked him out. So anyway. His we, mom didn't call y'all? No, no, no. We didn't. Mm. Yeah, there's problems back in those days. Uh, and it, So we, we were trying to piggy, piggy, uh, piggyback off of that idea. Mm-hmm. So for Christmas, we did frozen reindeer turkey, or frozen reindeer dodgeball, which we just got spare ribs. And we said they were reindeer. Spare ribs. Oh, my goodness. And we did the same gimmick, and they would dress up like Santa's elves, helpers. And they would you know, sing Christmas songs as they were on the chain link fence. The great thing about the bit is when you would throw the meat and miss, you would hear the chain link fence. It hit the chain link fence. Mm-hmm. You hear Mm-hmm. It was really a really a funny bit. You could probably still find this stuff on YouTube under the BS, uh, the Buckethead Show. So you, I believe it's still out there. Anyway, so we were doing it, uh, the Frozen Reindeer Dodgeball. Mm-hmm. Kevin Nealon was coming into the studio, and we had a decent relationship with him because he had been in numerous times. And I was only in Tampa for like two years because the show didn't work there. But uh, and he came in, and I said, "Hey, do you want to participate and throw the?" The the, fro- the frozen reindeer, uh-huh. you know, and I'm like winking like, you know, it's not frozen, like it's not really a reindeer. And this was one of those moments in my career on the air where it was just so awkward and uncomfortable. He pauses. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this. And he looks up at me. This is all live on the air. And he goes, uh, Buckethead, thank you, but I'm going to pass because I'm a vegetarian. Oh, oh no. no. He wants nothing to do with ribs. Dang. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Uh, my bad. Sorry. I'm like, we're going to shut down the first. I think that was the last time we ever did it. I just felt so uncomfortable. Anyway. All right. So, um, 
This will be our last uh, censored for before the new year. We're going to go take a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Enjoy your Christmas. Nikki, back to Georgia. Yep. Beating up her sister, if you've heard on the radio show. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully she's really she in your head. She just complies. She's really in your head. No, she's not. You got it out today. Nelson. Sister's in her head. Yes. Yeah. Why would you I just quickly agree to that? Because she's there, man. She's living rent-free there right rent-free. now. Rent-free. Whatever. I'm well, interested to find out what how effective your mother is at uh, diverting your plan. I already know what she wants to do. She's going to ask me to wait until after Christmas because she wants my sister to come to her house. Do you want me to prove to you that your sister's in your head? How? Because I just said that, and you said today when this is going to air <laughs> two weeks from now. Yeah. But you just said it's going to air two weeks from now. Correct. But you're so not. So they know that we're talking about it today. No, that's not. You can't fight this one. Sorry. Okay. It's, well, it's, you said we're going to be doing this right before the holidays. Sometimes you just got to take a step back and go, she's living there. You, you got. I'm not going to agree with you, you guys. You, she, it's okay, though. That's the thing. Is like you, it's, you, you need to hear this. Pull that down for a second. You need to hear this stuff. Like, if you don't see it, other people see it. That's what I'm saying, is that she's she's there. You have to evict her not only from your apartment. By the way, if you don't know the story, Nikki's sister back in Georgia is not is living at her apartment. The deal was she's supposed to be paying rent and utilities, and she's not doing those things. So Nikki's got to go back, you know, to enjoy the holidays, which she was planning on doing anyway, from Sacramento. But now she's got to go evict her sister. And it's not like a legal thing. Like, she's literally going to grab her and throw her out. So drama. It, it's a lot of drama. But, like, she's there. You can see the difference in your, like, the last couple days uh, when you first told us. She's there. She's living rent-free in your head and rent-free in your apartment. She's right. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, man. That's awesome. But if you don't <laughs> allow people to tell you these things, she'll continue to camp out. Inspire okay. her. Yeah, so you're you're like you're you're fighting the and you even know it. Like you're fighting what you already know. And you know you know it. You're 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 too smart for that. I like fighting the fight. You're fighting yourself though. You're beating yourself up. You're literally taking your physical So you got it you got it you got to snap out of it. Like you can see the body language, you're not interested in this. You're th- cuz all you're thinking about is this com- you're thinking about the, your situation. You're not in the moment right now. You are not in this moment. Your head is in a different place. Bring her into the moment. I'm in the moment. I'm listening. You are, the farthest, you you are the farthest from in the moment right now. Okay, well, I'm not in the moment. Nef, nef, let him inspire you. Nef, inspire. Nef. I agree. Enough is enough. Now it's time for inspiration. Oh, is that why you're playing this music for the last hour? All right. He has to get in the moment. Everyone can go to jail. And everyone can commit a crime. But not everyone can escape through a tunnel. Oh, that means when the going gets tough, you got to be able to squirm out of a tight spot. I like that. I do. Thank you. I do. I like that. You're welcome. I knew you could do it. Of course I can do it. (laughs) I knew you could do it. I knew we'd catch on eventually. Just took a second. It's inspire. Mm-hmm. It's inspire music. The inspiration you've given out is really amazing. I want to say that. 
Just and it has helped me. I know you feel like it doesn't, but it really has. I got a whole notepad over here of your inspiration. Just because you don't have enough money to buy the Cheez-Its in the vending machine <laughs> doesn't mean you can't eat the chewing gum under the counter. <laughs> that means in any situation, you got to find the unsticky spot. Get yourself out of it. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Nelson's stealing all these. He's writing them down. Yeah, I've got my Instagram uh, loaded up for the next two months. <laughs> <laughs> He'll never run out of quotes. Just got to get some better, better different angles. Uh, all right. Uh, Nikki D, you got anything for the holidays? I want to wish everybody a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the things. Christmas. 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 See, she, her words are worse. <laughs> And you know why? Because her sister's out there playing a puppet. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's moving her mouth. Quithmouth. Quithmouth. I want to fuck her up right now. Sound <laughs> like Mike Tyson. That's what I'm going to do. I'm up in this head. Not only am I not paying wet, but I'll make her talk funny. What? Quithmouth. <coughs> Nothing. Uh, enough is enough. I think you used that last time. Oh, well, then I hope your mom's ready to adopt me when she kicks your sister out of the family. How about... If you're still searching for a holiday idea, mm-hmm. why don't you do a Neff on a shelf? <laughs> oh, now that was good. Just make sure it's an extremely sturdy shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to use your deck. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm a- <laughs> I don't think he's okay. Oh, cool. He's almost out of it. We're finally going to get that heart attack for you, Lisa. Oh, my God, right. And on the air, too. All right, look, as we finish up 2023, thanks so much for uh, the continued support with the podcast. I know know, this has been an interesting year, right, for all of us. You two peers, you OT peers, OT two peers uh, that followed us to to California, uh, those from Florida and our new listeners here in California. Um, So it's, it's been a year, so... From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for the continued uh, support. Uh, we'll continue to evolve and continue to do our best to entertain. And you continue to follow us. Um, you know, it's not we're not going anywhere, right? You know, one way, shape, form, or fashion, we're going to continue to do this if uh, you allow us to do it. So please have a great and safe holiday, great Christmas with your family, uh, a great New Year, and uh, 2024. Here we come. All right. Uh, give us a like, share, follow on social at Listen to the BS, please, on the YouTube at The Bailey Show. If you can, listen to the radio program on 98 Rock, uh, on the Odyssey app or thebaileyshow.com or on any or any app that you get your podcast or, yeah, podcast, because you can only stream it from the Odyssey app, all right? Have yourself a great, safe rest of your week and a great, safe holiday. We will talk to you in 2024. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. TheBaileyShow.com Now, get out of here.